Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Struggling with the Bums. Today, we have a really exciting episode, maybe a little triggering for some of our audience, but it's something that I think we should definitely talk about because it's important. Uh, another announcement, we have a special guest with us. You want to introduce yourself? My name is John Latsky. Uh, I've been on the podcast before. It was one of the earlier episodes, but if you don't know, um, I was in the military, the Marines. Uh, now I go to Oklahoma State. I'm a junior there now, and that's you know, apparently I'm the oh quintessential expert <laughs> on all things Ukraine and Russia now. Yes, sir. Well, let's well, get it. Yeah. And then, of course, Eddie, sorry, Dale's not with us on this episode. He's still grinding. Um, but, yeah, let's kick this off. So kind of kind of doing this one a little different because it's not, you know, I think we need to get background to Russia and Ukraine. So I'll kind of start with the, the history of Ukraine very briefly. So it's a little complex in that Eastern Europe was basically getting destroyed by like the Mongols and other warring factions for the longest time. But from my understanding, Kiev was founded in 482, like the actual city. And um, kind of from there, you it's, it's complex because that the region has been owned by many different kingdoms. At one point, the Ottoman Empire owned that area then what would be be deemed the Russian Empire, but it wasn't actually Russia at the time. It, 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 it's kind of fluctuating. But essentially, fast forward all the way to the early 1900s, you have the Russian uh, monarchy, which was overthrown in 1918, which became the Communist Party in 1921. Don't quote me, uh, 22, sorry, I'm already. And with that, Ukraine became the Ukraine Socialist Socialist Soviet Republic, which was a region, but it was technically owned by Russia. From there, you have World War II, in which um, Ukraine was like one of the first areas invaded because, if I'm not mistaken, it's touching. I should I should have had a map pulled up, but it's touching. Um, close, I think it's such, what Hungary? I think it's no, Hungary. I think Hungary as well, but Poland, Lithuania, Bulgaria, yeah. uh, Moldova, all those places. Belarus, yeah, yeah. Romania. But Romania. My point yeah. being, yeah, my point being is basically when the Third Reich invaded Russia, in the southern border, Ukraine is what got taken over before they entered in to quote unquote would be mainland Russia. A um, little more information because I'm kind of scattering this all around, but yeah, I mean Russia became. Uh, it was becoming a country more in the 1300s, as I understand, that what we would deem as modern-day Russia and their borders. Um, obviously, it became the Soviet Union after World War II, in which it still owned Ukraine and many other Eastern European countries as the Warsaw Pact basically spit, split Europe in the middle, giving the Warsaw countries Eastern Europe, essentially, and NATO the West. Then when the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, yeah, 1990, yeah, 1991, Ukraine declared independence and, and uh, so did many other European, Eastern European countries, such as Poland, Belarus, Lithuania, and so forth. And Russia kind of shrinked to what, I mean, we, what we all know today. Fast forward, here we are. In, well, I guess there's a lot more information, but fast forward to 2022. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, uh, Russia has definitely invaded Ukraine. 
I think that the historical context is important to note because from what I've seen on the Russian side, it's that Ukraine was always part of Russia, but I think that goes back to the Warsaw mindset. I was going to add on to, I think two things that I saw was uh, Ukraine just kind of got shit on numerous times, like in the thirties by Stalin, by him imposing essentially a famine. And then when Nazi Germany came, they're like, oh, they can finally kick out Russia. And they learned real quick that Nazi Germany is not a nice place either. And they immediately committed genocide on a lot of their population. So, like, Ukraine definitely has suffered quite a bit in the last 20th century, which, I mean, that's not to say that no one else hasn't. But at least in this case, Ukraine's kind of been shit on by Russia and other countries during that time period, too. So, yeah, Yeah, they got they got caught between the worst dictatorships. Literally. Uh, you know, at the time period, pretty much. So, yeah, they they, they super duper got bound. Uh, I think Poland was actually the first uh, nation invaded by Nazi Germany. Is Poland? Oh, I'm sorry. France. Yes. Yeah. But so Poland, France. Like I always think I was France, but I did a little research a few days ago, and it turns out Poland uh, got invaded just before. Uh, I can't remember why. To be honest with you. I- I believe it's because Czechoslovakia had and France or someone else had a certain like area deterrence for Germany, but they just went right around that shit and hit Poland first and then wrapped it on <laughs> Czech. And other that countries. sounds great. Yeah. All right. Not not to be that guy, but actually you're technically both wrong because technically they annexed Austria in 1938, if I'm not mistaken. And they <sighs> took over. Um, I, can't, I don't know what the land's called, but there's that that piece of Germany technically that's like by Estonia and Lithuania and Northern Europe. Luxembourg? No, no. Luxembourg's no, the west. On the other side. We need a <laughs> Yeah, we need a map. <laughs> All right. Now. Hey, bro, just three bums trying to figure out this bullshit. Uh, yeah. This is some complex stuff, okay? And You know what's sad? We probably know a lot more about uh, Eastern Europe and their history than, like, the average American, and we're still goofing up. Yeah, exactly. Like, how many yeah. people... Like, if you ask somebody, like, if they've heard of Ukraine, what are the odds that they'd be like, nah, not before February? Honestly, pretty high. I mean, even considering I didn't know about what happened in, like, 2014 as a, yeah, exactly. a like, the precedent to the current. Well, I remember we, we were sophomores, um, and me and my buddy Weston, we were, like, kind of, look, we we're always interested in, like, geopolitical stuff and just how things will play out. And we were kind of looking at each other, like, these motherfuckers are going to invade Ukraine at some point. Like, we didn't know when. It, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when, because they yeah. want Crimea. They, uh, From my understanding, they wanted basically their port so they could, uh, you know, establish better commerce with the world, because Russia's pretty landlocked. They don't have a whole lot of coastline that isn't, you know, negative God knows how much. Yeah, and frozen. And that's why that's also why they don't have much of a Navy, because they don't have a whole lot of coastline like the United States, because we have a metric shit ton, and coincidentally, we happen to have one of, if not the most powerful navies on the planet. And we have had it for some time. I think China just eclipsed us, uh, like as far as new numbers and ships. This last all year. those are patrol boats. They're all patrol boats. If you look at their actual, a lot of them are patrol boats, okay? okay. That makes sense. Like your dad's yacht, whatever you want to call it. John was actually, <laughs> didn't know it, but he already took us into the next point on why does Russia want Ukraine? And economically, they need Ukraine, mainly because it's the breadbasket of Europe. And to my understanding, in the last couple of years, it's really become the breadbasket of the world. 
you guys realize how much it like exports to like the Middle East? It's like the number one supplier of like sunflower seed oil and grain, I want to say, or something like that. It's absolutely stuff like that. Yeah. But also, um, so what makes the whole Crimea thing complicated is to my understanding, it was gifted to Ukraine when it became the Ukrainian Socialist uh, Soviet Republic. And then in 2015, Russia was like, no, I want it back. Um, and Ukraine said no take backs. Yeah, but they want Crimea because it's a, an essential port for the Russian uh, Black Sea fleet. And as John already said, have it, having water capital is very underrated in how much it actually affects your country militarily and economically. And Russia, because of its location being half of it being frozen or unhabitable, if we're being honest, they can't use it. So it's like the few ports they have, that, that's all they have. And the Black Sea is so important because that's, there's a lot of oil in that region. It's the only way they can really protect those assets. Plus, there's a lot of what they would say is hostile powers in that region as well. Um, but sorry, looking at a map now, my point being was that Ukraine was one of the biggest buffers next to Belarus for Russia um, within Germany. Because Russia didn't really have claim over Poland until the Warsaw Pact, but they did kind of have what they would think as claim over Ukraine and Belarus and um, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. And the land I was talking about earlier that Germany annexed as well is known as Kaliningrad, but it's owned by Russia now. Yeah, bro. I completely forgot about the whole like Stalin and uh, uh, Hitler were like, yo, let's split Poland and shit like that. And then they went, nah, it's like, and they just invaded everything. So yeah, I forgot about that. Right. But yeah, but I think, it, I think it's, important to cover the history to give context and i'll definitely be referring back to it on some other reasons further into the conversation but i think what's important to start talking about now in the conversation is why does ukraine not want to be a part of russia john would you like to give your takes on that uh you want the simple version or the longer version or i can do the both. longer version i'll, I'll start, with yeah, I'll start with we got time add context uh communism's bad authoritarianism is bad so okay again not a historian about ukraine because i don't know too much but from my understanding basically when ukraine uh broke away from the soviet union they wanted to establish some sort of like a democratic uh society not quite like america but just again they'd like to not starve right not starving is cool i like having food to eat so they basically were gifted like a bunch of tanks and they had a real powerful military. And for years, years on end, they were kind of a big, a, a big ass military force. But then after a while, they, were, they kind of started to go, hey, you know, you know, Russia's not going to do anything. We don't we don't think we need all these tanks. And it, it costs a lot of money to maintain uh, equipment and stuff like that. And Ukraine basically just, you know, gave up their nukes. That they, Yeah, that was a big mistake. But um then they gave up their tanks and the bulk of their military power. And then it kind of dwindled down to about uh, 2011 to 2013, around that, around that range, Russia was like, ooh, hey, guys, they're, they're powering down. We can just overwhelm these guys. Like, we, might, we might have a chance here. And then what happened in uh, Crimea, obviously, a lot of people know about. But they basically annexed it and said, hey, this is ours now. And Ukraine is kind of powerless to stop it. 
And, you know, the ultimate goal really was, hey, let's take this back over. And obviously Ukraine doesn't want any involvement with that. Now, from my understanding, there's still people who, you know, like families who uh, travel between the nations because there's, there's intertwined family. Like think of, you know, I'm sitting in Oklahoma right now. So think I got family in Texas, except Texas is a whole different country, right? Kind of like that. So uh, Ukraine just basically kind of just wants to do their own thing. And they also want to join NATO. And, you know, the whole reason that was formed is to protect against Russian aggression. And I think, I think we're kind of screwing up here because we've got, I think, 30, 31 nations, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the NATO alliance. And, you know, Russia kind of feels like they're getting back into a corner. You know, when you look at like the full context of it and every, you know, all the factors, you kind of start to realize why Russia might have felt the way they did. Now, I'm not saying it was justified. I'm not pro-Russia or anything. But, uh, you know, Ukraine was definitely on that middle ground of like, hey, did we join NATO? Did we not? And NATO kind of kept quiet about it. We were like, dude, figure out your own stuff. But Russia knew that that was their intention. And so they said, you know, fuck that, dude. We're going to take you over. Uh, again, I'm, I'm just, you know, theorizing here. I'm trying to... Uh, put my feet in Putin's shoes, basically. And he's just trying to give himself some freaking space, to be honest. Uh, you got 31 countries, and we're kind of cornering them into, into economic collapse now. Yeah, I think, so I'm gonna back it up a little bit. Yeah, I kind of go to what, kind of go on, it's in reference to what Eddie was saying, because I actually wrote the numbers down. The whole Maduro was, a practice that Stalin used in 1932 to starve the Hungarian people because he did not like them. He literally just thought that they were lower people. So to give context, they killed 3.9 million people in a year. And that was 13% of their entire population. Then let's give more context to this. When when the Nazis invaded Ukraine, they literally, to my understanding, from what I was reading, they thought the Nazis were liberating them from Russia. You know how bad your life has to be to think the Nazis are coming to save you? Only <laughs> for, yeah. So they thought they were coming to liberate them. And so within that occupation, 1.6 million Ukrainian Jews died and another 4 million Ukrainians were killed. Civilians. I couldn't, I had a hard time finding military numbers, but... Um, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. And I think, and I don't bring that up as a key thing because a lot of the things I've seen from Russian sentiment is that they're killing Nazis in Ukraine. And I believe that's where that ideology comes from. Besides the fact that they have, yeah, uh, I forgot about you that. Know, far, far right terrorist groups, but so does everybody. So, but yeah, kind of starting that off. And then, you know, I think John's absolutely right. You know, when World War II ended, the Allies were like, no one gets Germany. But it was very clear that the West and capitalism cannot agree with communism. So they're like, we'll split this in the middle, you know? But you know what? People hate communism, except for the top 1% that, like, lives off it. And so all these Eastern European countries, they're just miserable. It's why the Berlin Wall gets put up, because people are leaving through West, through Berlin in droves to West Germany. 
because it's just that much better. It's better to be a poor person in a Western country than it is to be an even medium class citizen in a communist country. And so obviously communism with a system like that, it fails in the 90s. And basically, you know, the Warsaw Pact falls apart. Russia loses everything but Russia. And now all these Eastern Europeans see how Western Europe is developed. They haven't. Then from the 90s to probably now, I'd say, you know, these Eastern European countries get developed to the standard Western level countries like Ukraine even. And now it's like Russia wants them back and they're like, no, that was that was horrible living under you. Like we didn't have free elections. You killed political prisoners. We were getting starved, yada, 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 yada. The West is, has a better philosophy. Not saying it is a good one. That's a whole nother debate. But it's a better one than communism. I want to add further context. I think people often forget how devastating World War II was with like the amount of people that died, both civilian and military, and like the destruction across Europe in general. We're like rebuilding that shit was so freaking hard. And it really did open the, um, how do I want to say, like it opened the field basically to like, it was a vacuum in power. Who's left? It's like, oh, the US and Russia, that's it. Like that's who's left essentially at that point, at least as far as that was concerned, that conflict. And that was kind of gave rise to everything else. So the US and Russia were both like, how are we going to carve things out since we're opposing ideologies? And uh, the other part too is something that I talk to my dad about often is like the communism that we see was not entirely the communism that was meant to be built, but what ended up happening and, and someone said, you know, you can't always judge intent, but you can certainly judge outcome. The outcome of the communism we see has obviously been not very good for a lot of people. So yeah, obviously Ukrainians having that history, it's like, why would we want to be part of you when during our independence and everything like that, we've been far better than previously so i don't want even a little bit more context to that for their mindset yeah. but yeah of course putin and russia for the people that are in charge there obviously feel backed into a wall seeing so many of their previous subordinate countries aligning against them over the last you know pretty much our lifetime essentially yeah and a little bit beyond yeah. and are yeah. like now we got to do something about that and establish our own control again so i mean you know Right. And the U.S. has been in Afghanistan for the last 20 years. Exactly. Where Russia yeah. was for the previous 10, 15 years, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they went yeah. in there in the 70s, I think, or the 80s. I can't remember. You know, I think something that someone told me once was you almost have to feel bad for the average Russian citizen because in the con- if you try to look at it from the Russian perspective, in the last 220 years, their country has been invaded by two dictators. It with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with Napoleon, and that was devastating That's for true. the Russian people. You know, I mean, yes, he lost, but yeah, you know, he kind of scorched earth it just like Hitler. Obviously, Hitler comes around. Russia lost more people, or they may be up there with China, one or two, but they lost a, more civilians than anybody in the West, because like Germany, they were like massacring Russian troops and civilians, like just. Big old pits, and you know, it was bad. Someone grabbed by itself, even. Yeah, like it was so bad. Cannibalism was a common practice in Stalingrad because of how bad it was. But to my point, Russia Russia has a deep fear of the West. It seems like I think it's one of those things where we view them as the scary bad guys, they view us as the scary bad guys. 
And the reason they wanted, to my understanding, Stalin wanted Poland and Vladimir Putin and Gorbachev, all of them wanted Poland and that belt was to protect them from the West. That's why, to my understanding, like when it comes down to the core, it's that they have no border security to the Western front. And now, as John already mentioned, NATO, and as we move into NATO's role in this, Look, NATO, NATO is not only just Western Europe now. They do have parts of Eastern Europe, and it's growing. A little context to current news. Uh, Sweden, I believe, has applied to join NATO, and Finland has a meeting in June to apply to NATO, which Russia has already stated that if they join, you know, it's going to cause you know consequences for the West. And... Not that I agree with it, but I, I do understand where their fear is coming from. And it's like, I know, I know also NATO's never allowed uh, Russia to join. I don't necessarily know why, but I do know Russia has actually applied to NATO. Well, the whole point of NATO exi- NATO's existence was to protect against Russia. <laughs> so Yeah, but why not, why not make them your friend or make them adopt? You know, non-communism. Russia, Russia could stop be authoritarian dickheads, but you know, Kremlin's yeah, gonna Kremlin's gonna Kremlin. KGB, it's all the yeah, exactly, all the bro. <laughs> That's all they have to do. But no, nah. yeah. that is a so difficult I, situation though because you have so many people that, and I know we'll get to that point at some point in this talk. You have so many people that are like literally at the behest of a couple entities. And it, it does pose a difficult situation for them in general. But anyways, coming back yeah. to the NATO part, go ahead, Bryce. Well, you know, I don't think NATO's this. I think, personally, I think NATO's a pussy organization. This is the first time I would ever be like, wow, they're, they're actually doing something? That's kind of crazy. Yeah, um, NATO's pretty soft. NATO's pretty soft. Because when Kosovo kicked off, my understanding is right, they, they only gave, like, America gas and some bombs to – run airstrikes they didn't they would commit no troops and it's like there's a genocide going on really really okay Wait, where what kosovo back in 90 91 92 uh god dang i didn't study up on this no part, worries but, but um, hey, where was I, it i want to say uh eastern europe let me look at my map real quick i want to say around croatia the croatia region uh where bosnia I think it's yeah, Croatia, Croatia, Slovenia, Bosnia, because it used to be three. It used to be yeah, one. Yeah, the three. Oh yeah, yeah. And Yugoslavia. so, <laughs> Yugoslavia. And so basically, if I'm not mistaken, it was like Islamic. There's people Islamic, the Islamic faith, and like native uh, Croatians, and they were they were just genociding each other, dude. Jeez. And nobody nobody would go in to help. And the only, I can't remember, I don't even know what side we held. Uh, all I know is, like, we sent, like, peacekeeping missions that didn't really do anything. And, all right. like, we, we, we blew shit up. That's, that's about it. But it's, like, Na- people, people criticize NATO because, as John mentioned, NATO is to fight Russia and fight aggression in Western Europe. This was an aggression in Western Europe. This is a genocide. And they didn't do jack shit in all honesty. So NATO had a really negative outlook and it doesn't help that, you know, it hasn't really been tested because, you know, you have to remember the EU and NATO are two different things, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of what 
to my understanding, people's issue was with NATO. And so it's like, it's been really shocking to me and some other people I've talked to, that they supplied as much military aid as they have to Ukraine, just because at the same time, Russia's also been like, if you do this, we're going to fuck you up. And they've been kind of calling Russia out on that, which I think is really crazy because I don't think 20, 30 years ago, you you see that. I think they stay scared personally. But I, th- I think the reason NATO hasn't really uh, wanted to get involved, and I kind of agree with this, is as shitty as it is, this is not our fight. And if Article 5 wasn't a thing, if let's say, okay, Poland I know is like desperate for blood. Those dudes want to fight Russia so bad. But if they get involved, a little thing called Article 5, for those of you who don't know, basically means if there's like an engagement with any NATO nation, pretty much all the rest of them are required to get involved. And that is literally World War III. You know, so it's, well, either, it's either let uh, Ukraine bleed and hemorrhage, literally just hemorrhage people, or start a third world war. So, yeah, I think when it comes, it, it's very tough. It's very tough because, you know, I think even if you use you view the United States' role in this, it's kind of connected with NATO. And like John said, Article 5 means even if Poland wants to get in a fight and they would just be like, oh, it's all on us, it doesn't work like that. And it doesn't help that we have multiple U.S. bases in all of these bordering countries. We have a large amount of U.S. troops in Poland on the border. And I don't care who the president political leader is. If Russia sends a fucking RPG over the line and it, it injures a U.S. soldier, I would. Oh. I, I, I venture to say it, it's game on. We're gonna have to yeah, do I'm something. Getting, I'm getting a phone call. This says surprise, bitch. You're coming back to the Marines. I think we're all getting a phone call close to that because because then you know actually besides not counting nuclear warfare, dude. I I think a U.S. division could go slap Russia around. A fully strength division, you, but that's getting a little, a little. Oh, division. Too. Okay, I'm thinking battalion. Yeah, I was thinking you send like the entire first marine division, full strength. Oh, first Dude. marine. Oh, oh. That, they really might take over the country, low key. You know. Yeah, they, they, I know the dudes from Seventh Regiment just edging for a fight. We're gonna we're gonna so, get into this because I, yeah, I I they're seething. Talk about. Hmm. But kind of wrapping up NATO's role, basically NATO's role is to protect the West from Russia and other aggressors. And their way of doing it right now is supplying arms and ammunition, um, which I think, I think it's really fair to say that they're doing a good job. Because I saw uh, Europe alone has donated, let's see, 1 billion euros in military and, um, uh, what's it called? Not civilian aid, but Financial? like Red Cross. Red Cross, oh, like, like okay, humanitarian, like medical, humanitarian, yeah. Yeah. where the and as we move into the United States' role in this, in a sense, it's like we've donated already two billion in aid, and we're continuing to donate. Which some of the numbers to give out for you guys: we've donated four thousand six hundred javelins. Each of those costs two hundred fifty thousand, and I'll get back to why that's important later, Eddie. Uh, yeah. six, six million small arms rounds and six thousand AT four rockets. Which fun fact, Eddie? The AT four rocket fire, fires an eighty four millimeter uh, rocket. See, AT four, eighty four. Yeah, that's see, that's how the army thinks right there. Like, 
That had to be but, coincidence. It was probably required that that's how it was named. But, you know, we've given a lot more, too. Those are just, like, the three big numbers that kind of came to my mind. So, I mean, I think in the sense of NATO and its purpose, I think considering Ukraine is not a NATO ally, technically, it's kind of going out of its historical range and helping out. So I think that's been really interesting to see. But I think... It also comes to NATO's theory and my own personal belief that the domino effect, if we let Russia take Ukraine, who the hell is next? You know? Poland. And yeah. And then it's, it's like, well, you know, maybe it's better to spend $3 billion in resources now so we don't have to fight World War Three and spend a couple zillion dollars, you know? Yeah, but we'll make so much money. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're hey, so profitable, you go- don't you know? Yeah. What do you think it's we want Afghanistan for 20 damn years? A lot of money to be made there, man. Lots of money. But um, kind of, we already kind of talked about this, but should the world get involved? I think this is just a general question I want to ask, and you guys just each individual thoughts on it. Should the world get, in, get involved when civilians are unjustly, well, unjustly getting killed? And you know what, Eddie? You, you don't have the biggest military background. I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on it. And, I, and yes, this is more directed at Ukraine, but this is kind of directed anywhere because, you know, the U.S. is the world police, blah, 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 blah. So I'm, I'm curious on, like, your take on that. I would say, historically speaking, there are areas of the world that haven't exactly received any aid whatsoever for their own unjust uh, genocides or deaths or otherwise. For one reason or the other, obviously, Ukraine, we have a little bit of a better ability to supply, from my understanding, supply aid to them via nato via the eu view all that stuff and me talking about more like maybe issues in syria and stuff or africa as well even southeast asia it's maybe a little more difficult to supply and different do different things there but i think the world already got involved i mean we saw how many like quote-unquote sanctions were slapped on russia and all this other stuff i think if you want to live in a world where what John said earlier, there's not so many authoritarian dickheads around. You really got to, the world has to do something mm-hmm. and come together and say something and do something. And, and to be able to pull like Switzerland out of neutrality and other stuff, I think is a good step. Um, well, even if the Taliban, the yeah. Taliban are like, hey, stop it. That's how you know you <laughs> fucked up. Exactly, bro. When you get the Taliban and you have... Uh, Whoever the, I don't know, whoever the guy is in charge of China saying, hey, Russia, why don't you calm down? Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we should stop. Yeah. So if you get the Taliban to go, hey, guys, could could you just not do that? That's not very nice. <laughs> you got those motherfuckers saying that. <laughs> I've seen their good handiwork. Uh, they're not nice guys. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, I've seen the aftermath of what they, they like to do to people. Yeah. So there's my answer. Yeah, the world definitely needs to get involved. And obviously, the world is getting involved for many, which, and then that presents its own problem, which might be another, which probably will be another episode of like, do you recognize the Taliban's comments on that or not? At the same, like, on one hand, you do, but on the other hand, if you do, you almost acknowledge them being their own, which we have their own entity, but their own entity as far as a country or others, like, you know what I mean? So that becomes its own issue. But, we don't have you know, enough time anymore. Yeah. You know, if they stop stoning women for showing their ankles, I think maybe their statements will be just legitimized. But until then, yeah, it becomes an issue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
maybe they could just practice being a little nicer themselves. Like maybe we could all just get along. I, I don't know. know. That's maybe all I want. But John, curious about your personal take on it, just in general. You know, especially as um, someone that served in, you know, as a world police, it's people like you in the past that get told to enforce that type of shit. So it's easier to say it than do the one. Yeah. Like, so the simple, like the general question was just, do you think the world should get involved or is it just the U S specifically? Uh, the world in general, but I think as an American, you can't. Not okay. Make it from the you, do you mean involved? Like go deploy, whatever you, deploy whatever you mean, whatever okay. you think the world should be doing. Okay. Um, I really think this is probably the best middle ground right now because as, as awful as it sounds, it's not our fight. It just doesn't until it becomes our fight that we should stay the hell out of it because we're doing nothing but escalating a problem. And so far Ukraine's, well, those, those dudes are hardcore. I've met, I've met some of those guys. They're tough dudes, but they seem to be holding out pretty well. Actually they'll help a lot better than I expected. So right now I don't think, we should do anything further than what we've been doing. Just military aid, uh, you know, assisting them monetarily, things like that. That's probably the right move. Because like I said earlier, it's like, well, do you want, you know, Ukraine to get swallowed up by Russia or start a third world war? Not, not, too, not too many good options here. So, but if we were talking about like, should we, you know, deploy troops, like we have the 82nd right now in, the, in Poland. Should we deploy troops to Ukraine and go kick Russia's ass? Hell no. <laughs> I'm just gonna, that's a very simple answer. Hell no. First of all, I've seen the deterioration of the Marine Corps over my career. And dude, they're just not putting out good products, man. They're all soft, entitled. They can't, you can't even raise your voice at these kids without getting in trouble. You know what I mean? I might've mentioned this last time I was on, but I've, I was blamed for like punching dudes in the face. Dudes I've never even met, not even my squad. Someone was like, Corporal, you know, Corporal Latsky punched me in the face at the ball. Who the fuck is that kid? So if we got dudes like him going over and fighting the motherfucking Russian army, you know, if they're logistically screwed or not, a lot of body bags are going to get filled and we're going to get kicked in the teeth. We're going to find out real quick that, uh, maybe, man, I don't want to get political here, but maybe, no our priorities, maybe our priorities aren't straight. Like with General Milley, the chief of staff of the U.S. Army. Dude, stop. How do I say this without sounding like a dickhead? Go for it. You need <laughs> okay. to be political. I'm just going to blanket statement it. Uh, stop with the woke nonsense and train your dude to fight a fucking war. Yeah, That's I was going to really, say, we have the luxury of doing certain things, but at this point in time, it might be more important to reprioritize yeah. what's going know, on. You know what the Marine Corps has been doing since 2018? We've been basically blowing off the whole GY, IED, you know, route clearance type stuff and focusing on, hey, near-peer threats. So, like, China, Russia, whoever else. Basically just those two, but, you know, near-peer as our secret sneaky buzzword. So we stopped, you know, we went dinosaur on communications. We stopped using GPS as we went back to like, you know, map, compass, little protractor, right? Uh, again, just going dinosaur so they can't track our damn location. Um, you know, we, we've been training that. I don't know if the Army really has because they're much, let's be honest, they're a much bigger branch. They move a little slower. They make decisions. 
I mean, it took them 10 months to approve a damn face mask on their uniform. <laughs> and they were proud of it. They're like, it only took us 10 months to develop this revolutionary, innovative piece of fucking cloth. <laughs> yeah, good job, Army. You're doing great work. So if we deploy dudes, that's another thing. We've, we really haven't been fighting that fiercely in Iraq or Afghanistan. Like when I was there, the war's pretty much over. We were just hanging out. You know, I, you know there were still IEDs. There were probably still bad guys, but I never, I never got into a gunfight. I'm not experiencing combat. I'm just not. And I'm like one of the tough guys, or at least slightly above average. You know, all the, all the dudes who are experiencing combat, they're out or they're, they're in office jobs now. And now we have a bunch of NCOs and certainly new guys, you know, little boots that have never seen another country even. You know, like in the Marines case, we just deployed to Japan and Australia and shit. Like we, dudes go on boats and that's it. I just, I just have a quick question for you. Just, and I don't want to, I mean, I think this is a good branch to take, to be honest, because this is obviously your discussion on the world getting involved, especially the right. U.S. But, like, are there any countries, though, really, that have a military that have seen active action? Like, truly, that are, as to your point, near or the near peer level? Yeah, near peer. That's true. It's not right. But they're, they're still, like, how do I explain this? They're not worried about identity politics. Does that make sense? They're yeah. not worried about, like, Russia doesn't give a fuck if you think you're transgender. Sorry. Like, I'm not against it. Like, I really don't have an opinion on it because I know nothing of it. But if you were in the military, do you think people who, you know, are born, born as men and think they're women are really, you know, mentally prepared for a goddamn war? You know, like, do you think their priority is like, hey, let's figure out how to effectively do, like, a L-shaped ambush? <laughs> like they're not thinking about that at all they're thinking man i want to take a pft but make it easier so i'm going to pretend i'm a fucking woman i'm not saying it's all of them right but some people are kind of taking that approach just so they can skate by and make life easier for themselves pretty much nobody else i would imagine tolerates that again i i could be wrong i could be talking out of my ass but i feel like if we got involved we're going to get our fucking teeth kicked in and I'm not saying we're going to necessarily lose, but it's going to be a bad time at first, for sure. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, that makes more sense. Because, to, yeah. like, uh, I've been not dis- – I guess disappointed is the right word. I've been happy to see that Russia has had such a hard time. And I feel yeah. like that does in ways reflect – I mean, maybe not exactly what you're saying, but to, to the point of like, there's not many people that have seen that kind of combat and mm-hmm. we're seeing that effect now on the main stage, essentially. Right. Well, also you got to think Ukraine's had eight years to prepare. Cause like I said earlier, when like me and my buddy were kind of like, wink, wink, they're going to invade them soon. I bet Ukraine was aware of that too. And they're like, Hey, maybe we should fortify basically the, the country. Maybe we should invest heavily in our military equipment. And they got some, serious upgrades um there's a i don't know if you guys are familiar with task and purpose no it's he's a he's like a former grunt but he talks about basically like how much ukraine has invested in their military so like they upgraded their helmets rifles uh body armor uh vehicles stuff like that and they were uh, much better prepared for a russian invasion i'm pretty amazed they've 
they've held on this long. It's, it's pretty incredible. It shows you the heart that they have. But Russia's problem is, so their doctrine is basically, hey, throw a bunch of conscripts at them because we don't really care about them. If they die, give them three magazines, have a, you know, have a nice day. And they're running out of gas. They found out, oh, we're not just going to steamroll them. Like these dudes are here to, here to fight. It's kind of like, um, like I was asking my dad about this a couple weeks ago. I was like, what? How, how was the British Army so good back in the day, back in their heyday, right? They just lined up and wore a bunch of bright-ass red coats. And was it like, did they just have more dudes? Did they reload faster? Like, what, what was – because you're literally taking turns shooting at each other. You know what I mean? Like, how did, how did you win? He's basically like, look, they were the dominant force for a long time. And after a while, it's a psychological thing. Those bright red coats, they're like, oh, shit. There's, there's 10,000 British red coats out there. Me and my 40 buddies with muskets can't, can't hang with those dudes. And you just give up. So I think people kind of see Russia as the same way. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, were you going to say something, Eddie? No, okay. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's kind of what's going on. Russia, Russia just thought they were going to steamroll them because they're the Russian army. I mean, they're, oh, that sounds scary to me still. You know what I mean? But I know you think Red Dawn, they're like a, another dominant force. But... I mean, if you just throw conscripts at them, you know what I mean? Who think they're going to go, you know, uh, go on a training exercise. I so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they're going to get their ass kicked. Yeah. Even the Spetsnaz were taken out of the loop. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, yes, Spetsnaz, actually. Yeah. Also, like, they're, yeah. so basically the <clears throat> Russian Green Berets, for those who aren't aware, they had no idea what the hell was going on either. They are just like, training. Getting shot at, like, oh shit, this is active. They're like, holy, it's like, it's like if I went to, let's say I was still in the military, right? Now, a big training area for the Marines is 29 Palms. Uh, You know, it simulates a desert because we've been fighting the war in the desert for the past 20 years, just in case you've, you know, been in a coma. And it's like just a great place to train to prepare to deploy to a Middle Eastern nation, right? And we go there all the time. And it's just a huge training area. I mean, it's most of the Mojave Desert. And You know, what if we were thinking, oh, hey, we're going to go to 29 Palms for some training exercise. Next thing you know, we're in Mexico. Oh, fuck. Cartel's shooting at us. And you're like, now I get it. This explains why we have live ammo. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot more sense for sure. I mean, and that That, was the thing that was crazy too, because it's like, I I don't know, bro. I guess because I'm maybe I'm used to just seeing movies or whatever, right? Like again, I'm a civilian. Yeah, my cousin was in Afghanistan and Kyrgyzstan, cool, and he told me some of that stuff. But like, I just would have assumed that they would have sent them in and been like, "Hey, here's a mission. We're gonna fucking roll on Ukraine, and that's that's that." And instead, it's like, "Oh no, we're just doing training exercises." And it's like, what? They're like, "Cool, all right, let's go. Let's sleep in our trucks and not pay attention because it's just training, right?" by javelins and shit they're like oh hey sir oh fuck he's dead too yeah (laughs) that's just mind-boggling yeah absolutely and these are like 17 year old kids they don't know what's going on they're just grunts getting handed rifles here you go buddy here you go ivan i don't know you know (laughs) i think anyone that's listening to this pod long enough knows i have a quote-unquote do the right thing superiority complex Emotionally, I think we should go drop the fucking hammer on Russia and just finish this shit. Patton wasn't wrong. And for people who yeah. don't know what I'm talking about, Patton said after World War II, 
we should go fuck up Russia because they're the next enemy. And he wasn't wrong. And that's why the, well, conspiracy theory time. That's why the U.S. <laughs> killed him. Yeah, right. He, had yeah, he got fired up in a car. Yeah, he did. And then he had his neck broken in a car wreck. I didn't Accident. even know that. Yeah. It happened. I just like thought he got old. Days. I think it happened like three days after he said that, if I'm not mistaken. How the hell did I never know that? You fact check me. I don't know that either. To my point, logically, though, I understand why we're not. John, I mean, John already said it. Basically, we go help Ukraine. A lot more people are going to die in the end because Russia's going to shoot their nukes off. Mutually assured destruction. We're fucked. As for the military, as for the U.S. military, John is absolutely right in that we have definitely gotten softer, but I still don't think, and I think maybe I have this opinion because I do know some people in there that are in there that are what I wouldn't call soft people. And there we have our special operations, I think is still fairly hardcore. And I think that I use that sure. in the back of my mind, that it still kind of carries the U.S. military, keeps that standard for There's the most so part of them, though. There's so few of them. You're absolutely right. But if you're telling me you don't think we couldn't send the 75th Ranger Regiment, they would go fuck Russia up right now. Like, I don't want to get too far in my point because I'm going to come back to why. They are super grunts. They, yeah. yeah. And that's, if you and send that's the like, largest horde of Apex grunts, oh, man, they're going to they're gonna light people not, up with a smile on their face. Not that the U.S. military would ever commit, like, assets like this because it's just impossible. But if you send the Marine Corps Raiders, Delta, SEAL Team 6, regular SEAL, Green Berets, uh, Ranger Bat, plus, you know, our foreign powers, you know, GIGN, SAS, uh, Australian SAS, dude, they, they, would be, they would be tying Russia up in a bow tie. I, I would put yeah. every dime I own. As long as they had, like, a number all the assets they needed but for what john's talking about regular u.s military yes regular u.s culture soft currently for what but i think it's it's a little too easy to say that it's their fault look no, culture no, society society creates whether you like to think it or not for the most part society creates for the most part who you are going to be and the culture you grew up with so john's absolutely right we don't have the same standard of quote unquote war fighters or whatever. But if you, if people want to be upset about that, don't look at us. Look, look at, you know, the 40 year olds, the 50 year olds and the people that created this soft environment because it wasn't the, it wasn't the eight year olds that came up with the participation trophy, which is the hot okay. mic thing that started. You know what I mean? So no, you're not wrong. You, you, if you want, you can be mad at me, but I'm not, I never asked for it. It just got handed to me as a kid. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. You got raised by you guys. Yeah, you I was going to add, so, so, we also have agency to change that too, which hopefully we, do we actively do. If you've listened to our other episode about our generation, we talk about having that. Take it, like, our environment is not just the reflection of the people around us, but also of what we decide and do. So that's yeah. a bit of a call to action as well as saying, hey, realistically, it is a conversation, again, I have with my dad all the time. He's like, oh, you guys in the participation trophies. And I'm like, that I was like five years old. You guys handed that shit to me. I didn't. If I didn't you ask most people our age, we don't want that shit. Yeah, we don't want it. We were like, who the hell came up with this, weirdos? Yeah. But yeah. Now I, I will say there, there's good things about what we're doing. Like there's you know, the whole thing about mental health stuff like that. Um, yeah. Identity Definitely. politics. I I think that's a good thing. 
You know what I mean? But I think there's been an overcorrection. I think what we're starting to see is kind of like going back into the middle. We're like, okay, let's be aware of our emotions or, you know, things like that, but also not be so damn entitled at the same time. Like we're start, well, we're slowly starting to come back a little bit. Yeah, be yeah. cognizant of what's it, going on. Yeah, the context yeah. of what's going on. Because it, it is a and conversation think, that I have yet to have. Sorry, Bryce, to cut you off. With some of my friends yeah. that to come back to your point about being transgender or other, the community itself, I think it's one of those things that I've yet to have a conversation with them about because uh, it's like, as far as the military is concerned, I feel like it's one of those things that they need to be removed from it. And, they're, a, they're a liability. Right. Like, they need to be removed from it in a way. And, and it is a difficult situation, for, for at least for me. But, like, there is that sense of, like, there needs to be context and cognizance and awareness of the things that need to be prioritized. In the yeah. U.S., we have the luxury to be able to converse about a lot of these things, which is fantastic that we get yeah. to even talk about this um, and hopefully begin to change things. But, like, at the same time, there also needs to be that priority, especially surrounding the military, that needs to be considered as well. That oh, right. we, what we, need point, to, we want to come back to that middle. Yeah, we need to be lethal again. I'm not saying transgender people shouldn't be in the military, but like infantry battalions, like combat arms, stuff like that, probably not a good idea. It's more of a more of a liability than it is a, a any kind of advantage. Yeah, like, I mean, even the same thing with women. Like, I'm not. I swear, I'm going to sound like an ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had this conversation. We yeah, women shouldn't be, care. I'm just going to say it, women shouldn't be grunts. Um, most of them. Now, if you can, if you can pass, like, there's like a, you know, certain basic, like physical tests, like, can you climb over a wall in full kit? You know what I mean? Like a six foot wall. A lot of women can't do that shit. It's just, proportionally speaking, it's like you, if you doubled our, you know, our weight of our gear, we couldn't do that shit either. But yeah. it's, the basic physical activities and a lot of them get uh, a lot of hip problems pretty quick like a lot of them i saw were getting separated from the military because of their hip hips were getting broken and shit it's just they're not built for it like if we could make bears smarter smart as humans i'd send those bitches off to war because men can barely hang <laughs> just saying yeah i think it does pose an interesting conversation around that because on the one hand, for me, I want to be respectful of the people, the women that I serve. But at the same time, it's like a question of capability as well. Yeah. And, and recognizing that there are people that can serve and there are people yeah. that cannot. And I mean, I'm going to put myself with people that may not be able to serve. But I mean, like if I got to do, I got to do. But I think I would struggle comparatively to other people as well. And I think it's just trying to be aware that is an interesting place to be. It's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think you're you're absolutely both right. Because, Eddie, look, in our friend group, you know, Friday football, whatever, we have a lot of guys, you know, most of them are physical. Look, being in the infantry where your job is to kill people, it's not even just physical. Like, you, you got to be of the right sound of mind. Like, you – that's why well, – That's really what I'm saying. Like I don't, people, even, I don't think that admit, I could really yeah. say that for myself that, you know what I mean, to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah it's I'm like saying, you're going to – Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, that's why you don't like – Trans, transgender people it's not because sure maybe guys on the, the transgender females maybe physically they can do it but it's like mentally you know killing people fucks with you and you need to be in the best mental mindset you can be going into situations that being in the infantry is going to put you in that's why they don't allow people with mental health disorders 
You know, it's just it's it's you'll develop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, hey, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Say, whoa, you'll get them eventually. But initially going in, if you are like, yeah, I take antidepressants, you're not, you're not. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now with that too. I was like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But if the bases and, are already loaded with your insanity, uh, it's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm and, saying. It's such an interesting conversation to have, but like, there's an awareness I, I, to it for sure. I'm, I'm going to push this along a little bit because we could talk yeah. about – there definitely is room for another episode on U.S. military. We know a lot of guys, a fair amount of people in the military. I think it would be really cool in the future to get maybe some more perspectives and go with that. But I want to talk about U.S. military doctoring because this is something that I think that is I've always enjoyed learning about. So big thing I want to mention. So back in the 90s, the U.S. government was transitioning from Cold War era to what we know as GWAT. In that, we started uh, the the javelin was created. Now, Eddie, I don't know if you know this, and maybe it's just I'm a nerd. There was a lot of controversy about the javelin because it cost because it was supposed to re- replace the law, which is like the M72. Like, it, it, it's what like a maybe a 50 millimeter rocket, something like it's really small and carryable. Whatever, it costs two hundred fifty thousand dollars per rocket of the javelin so the u.s military was like oh these are we want these but they're like oh they wouldn't break russian armor and they had no way to really test it they i guess they had a really hard time getting their hands on russian like modern russian armor and so fast forward to 2022 you can go on fucking tiktok youtube instagram shit snapchat stories and you can watch javelins bust the fuck out of t90s with reactive armor cages t72 t80 yeah i mean this is the stuff that that some people were like if we have a near-peer conflict with russia their armor is going to steamboat willy us because our javelins won't be able to kill them and our and they were just like the implant abrams can't fight the t90 and the t <laughs> it's like and here we are one. baby that's what i'm saying but people were saying this back in the day and now it's like, and people are like, "Oh, we can't, we can't pay for a two hundred fifty thousand thousand dollar rocket that's not going to destroy a tank." Well, fun fact: the T ninety costs four point five million dollars, and the T seventy two costs five hundred thousand dollars. And I couldn't find anything on the T eighty, but a two hundred fifty thousand dollars it's cost effective to shoot those fuckers to javelin. Now, I think that's proven U.S. doctrine in carrying those fuckers so much, which. Now, that's more like the Army standpoint because bigger branch have more money. So, as John already alluded to, big thing going on with the United States Marine Corps is they got rid of all their tanks because they're like, we're switching from GWAT to fighting your peer. And just like reference to World War II, the Marines are going to be fighting in the Pacific for the most part. I, if yeah, I'm, just amphibious. Nope. Yeah. Amphibious just warfare. waterborne assaults. Island hopping. You know, yeah. and that's what China, that's what a war with China would honestly look like. So, but people were like, oh shit, like the Marines are, the Marines lost their shit. No tanks. How are you going to, how are you going to destroy uh, Chinese tanks and da, 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 this. They carry javelins too. Not as many, not as many, but uh, John's right too. Just call that. Call, call that an airstrike. Ne- It'll be fine. But I think uh, what maybe, I don't know the actual name of these, but like hunter killer team, you know, you have like a two man javelin team with like, small infantry fire team to protect them dude they'll go destroy a fucking tank column 
which is typically mm-hmm. three to four. It's fourteen for Chinese uh, military. But you know what I mean? It's like they're only thirty-five pounds of rocket, and as John, I'm sure knows, you get some strong grunts, and, and they'll carry a couple of those bad boys. You know, yeah, and then we you love, add we two love more. making them carry shit. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Oh, you know how you you have like the eighty pound ruck already? Yeah, we're gonna throw three of these bad boys on him, and if you don't hump them, we're gonna beat you up. No, uh, <laughs> here, here, carry this Bangalore. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you don't carry this, we're gonna get killed by the Chinese tank call coming up the street. But I think it just proves that maybe for once, U.S. military had the right idea in going relying more on anti-surface anti-air and anti-armor munition systems that can be carried by small infantry groups. I just want to comment. <clears throat> I think it's interesting because for me, I had no idea that shit was going on. Look, I played Call of Duty. That's how I know what a javelin is. Um, <laughs> and so I, I hey, being honest, man, I, that's how I know about this shit. Um, and of course, Bryce and other people I've talked about in the past, but I think it's so interesting because again, for those, our audience that have listened to our generation episode, we are literally, we got the chance in our lifetime to watch pretty much firsthand fighting across the world um, on the news. And then as we've gotten older on Twitter, uh, on TikTok, as we said, I mean, shit, when this first went down, watching a rocket go off in on Twitter live or whatever, dude, or seeing the search and what's going on, you're watching fucking shit go down and dead bodies. So I think it proved not just to Bryce's point of what's going on, but like at the same time, it was like, I really just changed. I think the way that we can view warfare and the way that we are seeing war be conducted this Ukraine thing. What I mean by that, I'm not trying to like minimize the shit that's going on. A lot of people are dying, but like, it's just insane how this one event, I think has really opened our eyes to a lot of different things. Um, And I mean, yeah, dude, it's just been crazy to be a civilian to watch that shit go down and really think about all that stuff that's going really, truly, um, and happening. So, yeah, I just want to make that comment from my own perspective. Well, yeah, one and, thing. Oh, good. I was gonna say a little quick more facts. The Pentagon, given it's Pentagon information, uh, it's it said dot org. So, imagine they're probably bullshit. They've estimated Russian losses at seven thousand to fifteen thousand dead and twenty one thousand to forty five thousand wounded. Now, for the Russian, and they invaded with 190,000 people. For Russian military doctrine, that's pretty acceptable. But to give context to it, for all the Americans, they're like, that's that's whatever. We only, we lost we, in the entire GWAT, as up to date as of now, we've lost 7,057 uh, oh, soldiers to the entire GWAT. Like less than 3,000 hmm? like got killed. No, I'm sorry. I meant all casualties. Oh, just like, okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry, my apologies. I should have said dead and wounded. And Russia's looking at somewhere between 7,000 and 15,000 dead. Just to give everyone a context for, like, essentially Russia's lost, and this is not even kind of the Ukrainian Ukrainian side, like the loss of life. They've lost almost more people than we lost in 20 years of an entire war. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, part of that is, well, honestly, like you said, we have, nobody's uh, fought like a real true near peer war and I don't know how long. No, nothing to this scale anyways. And urban combat, like uh, if you take Fallujah, for example. So from my understanding, the you basically want like six to one 
So like if you're attacking, let's say, okay, I'm in Stillwater, Oklahoma right now, right? So if you want to attack Stillwater, you better have six times as many dudes as, you know, you think there are going to be dudes defending it because you're going to get killed because they're dug in. They're, you know, places fortified. They, they can see you well before you see them. All kinds of factors. And they're moving into Mar- Mariupol, Kiev. Well, not so much Kiev. They're trying, but they're failing. But stuff, just urban areas, it's just going to be bloodier, period. And one thing that the U.S. military does a lot better than Russia in terms of, like, conserving, you know, lives is we like to, you know, have, like, machine gun fire at the very least. So, like, let's say, okay, I'm sitting in my apartment building right now. Um, Let's, you know, let's say there's bad guys in my apartment building. I'm the bad guy, right? Basically, they want to lay down a base of fire machine gun before they move any of their dudes. Because what's going to happen if I can just shoot anybody who's running around? Dink, you're dead. Dink, you're dead. But if I got to peek him up my ass, then I'm going to be a little less likely to poke my head out, right? So that's kind of the same thing. We do it with artillery. We do it with naval guns. Uh, at the very smallest level machine guns. So like 240s and such. Russia really doesn't do that. They're just like, go get them, boys. That's pretty much it. That ass charge. They charge them. Uh, yeah. But kind of moving closer towards the end of our conversation. I'm curious on your guys' thoughts on, obviously the war in Ukraine is not over. No one knows when it's going to be over. But I'm curious on your guys' thoughts on what it'll look like in the end and what implications will come from it. Because anytime there is global conflict, well, I shouldn't say global, but that's what I'm going to say, that there are repercussions that typically affect the entire world. Uh, Eddie, I was curious if you had any thoughts on just any thoughts you might have. I mean, just pulling from this conversation, my own understanding might be a little bit a different perspective. I think if Ukraine, I mean, dude, I don't even know what the outcome could be. I mean, my hope is that Ukraine is able to like kill and injure so many Russians and make it such a bad situation that they pull out. But at the same time, that obviously puts them in a difficult situation where Russia's already threatened that if that's the case, they're going to continue with different arms and weapons. So then it's like, oh shit, like, I don't know, man. So part of me feels that the whole world getting involved is to A, bankrupt Russia, or at least, you know, really just slap a noose on them and just tell them, hey, this is not the way to go. This is not profitable. This is not going to work out. And at least try and get some kind of freaking like, not armistice, but some kind of just end to conflict. Because there's so many people dying and being misplaced right now um, on a global stage. And of course, gets a little more of a global stage considering it's Europe and it's Russia and everything like that. Um, I mean, though, if Russia ends up coming back with even more, that's going to be a really interesting situation because... Once again, Ukraine is not in actual NATO. Um, are they in the EU, by the way? They're, they applied for it. They applied for it? Okay. So, like, yeah. they're in an interesting situation where, essentially, we are it's, – it's almost like a pawn piece in this war. And, unfortunately, like, we can't do much more than what's already happening at this moment in time. So, you kind of just hope that they stay out long enough to bleed Russia a little bit until, like, they maybe stop, I guess. But – I don't know, man. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's it's just kind of a difficult situation because you're really sacrificing population of Ukraine, which is 43 million people, about for you know the cost of I don't know billions. So Maybe. I mean, technically it makes sense, but at the same time, it hurts. Yeah, human beings. But yeah, that's mine. I'll end it there. 
John? I honestly have absolutely no idea what's going to happen because it's, it's really just an absolute wild card. Like, that situation could happen. Uh, I think Ukraine has a chance of uh, repelling them. Uh, from my understanding, I know that the Russian troops are basically going back into Belarus and getting refitted, re-equipped. Maybe, um, you know, take a second to make better plans. That, again, that's one thing the U.S. does really, really well is logistics. Uh, pretty much, from my understanding, better than anybody in the world. Because, well, we've had a lot of practice, <laughs> you know. But either that or there's going to be, like, basically an insurgency. So, like, Russian troops are going to be occupying, you know, places in Ukraine, kind of like how we were in Afghanistan, right? They're going to just basically play the war of attrition and just just hang out until they quit or somebody quits. That's an interesting point to me just because I'm curious how long they could actually last because we weren't being sanctioned economically, like, to the max whenever we were invading Afghanistan, Iraq, or occupying, and they are. Like, I, I am curious, like, how much their economy can bend before it breaks. I'd, I'd be very curious to see from an economic standpoint. And, yeah, I think on the, on the more positive side, Eddie, I think, yeah, maybe Ukraine finds a way to repel them, and, you know, maybe Russia's just like, we, we can't do this. But... That really wouldn't suit them historically, which is why I lean towards the more negative side of this either ends with an occupation in which Russia, I don't think Russia wins in this scenario. Even if they occupy, I think Ukraine holds out. I just don't see them unless they get nuked. But if Ukraine gets nuked even now, like I think we're going to end up nuking Russia because yeah, Russia's going to get turned into glass if they do that. Yeah. And we're just going to really hope that we don't get hit or anybody else gets hit but you know a lot of fear i think it was interesting when this first kicked off there was a lot of fear especially for myself i still view china personally as the the united states's true enemy versus russia yeah they're this way bigger proven, threat. yeah way bigger threat and they've been eyeballing taiwan and it just seemed like there was a lot of theories that they were going to invade taiwan I don't think that as of now, because they were like, oh, shit, our best friend actually ends up sucking at warfare. They can't even take fucking Ukraine. We don't – they're like I, – I think it's kind of helped China be like, maybe we don't want to invade Taiwan. Like, well, maybe. I don't know. I mean – China kind of has a lot more money. <laughs> they do. They do. I mean, but they I think, have – way more people and they'd be invading a much 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 smaller uh area yeah, ukraine's pretty but, big but i think the thing to remember about if china invades taiwan it becomes world war three because article five goes both ways the united states gets involved with china so is your so is europe so yeah. it's like as big as and as strong as chinese military is i don't know if they could even take on the eu as a whole the and we have, don't we have an alliance with like in the, the Pacific, it's like ASNAC or something like that, with like Australia, New Zealand, ASIS, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and England, and like Singapore, Japan. something like that. Japan, you know, I just don't know, honestly. Yes, the US Navy is not as big as the Chinese fleet, but I think if you look at what vessels we have, we still have the super, more superior, experienced Navy. And it's like, it's not like the EU doesn't have, they don't have much of a Navy, 
But I think if they all came around, you know, it would make us have a bigger, uh, bigger force. So I, I don't know. I, I, me and John talk about this a lot, like a lot about, are we overestimating China and Russia? Are we underestimating them? Is, are we overestimating America's power? Are we underestimating, like, you know, there's a lot of people saying a lot of different things with a lot of valid opinions. And I think John said it the best. It's a it's a wild card. Like nobody knows. Nobody. I don't even think Putin knows from how it sounds. He clearly doesn't know. <laughs> he clearly doesn't know. So But that was the thing. Yeah. I think just to sum up this conflict really is just a giant wild card. And it's shown so many things. It's insane that what has come out of that and, and really question a lot of where do we go from here? Because it's again, it's the other question of all right, like. Not to be a dick, but obviously the most of the world has, for the most part, ignored Africa, right? Truly. Yeah. Except for, I mean, you can maybe make an argument that China has made investments in land in, China, in uh, Africa, I believe. Um, but outside of that, like, their conflicts, their shit that's going on, there's a lot of bad stuff going on there, too. We just have relatively ignored that. We're more CNN hasn't with, told us to care about it. Right. We're not being told to care about it. It's not in our news. We're just being told, yeah, don't worry about it. This is what's important. It's kind of what's going on as far as Europe and everything else is concerned. Um, and that's definitely a conversation for another time about the racism Jeez. and other, other things and issues. <laughs> but I think it just like, it's just so interesting to think about, dude, like, this is, this is what conflict is going to look like for the most part, potentially going forward from a civilian perspective, right? Like, this is me saying that with no military history, nothing, right? And it's seeing this go down, it's going to be fucking posted everywhere. You can see it wherever you want. Uh, you can't avoid it. You can't avoid, you can't it. avoid exactly. it if you try. You can't avoid it at all. So then it becomes a question of the world needs to get involved because what world do you want? Like, we got one Earth how do we want this shit to go it's like you almost have to get involved in some way to make that shit go away and and be peaceful it's kind of where i was going with that because overall like this is not the world that i want people to be in where you got a bunch of bullies still existing otherwise um right basically so it is an interesting place and i think that's the best summary for ukraine russia conflict uh john any final thoughts conflict uh well um i haven't really touched on this but i'm not really down with the ukrainian government either like i just want to make that clear the people i feel bad for are the people and pretty much that's it the government's gonna get fucked proceed how do you feel how do you feel about Zelensky? is it Uh, an act or is he okay for a politician i don't know he's a politician still yeah. So, <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? They're they're all yeah. the same. Uh, I mean, I, I'm like he. At least he's younger than eighty. Am I right? What's that? <laughs> I said, at least he's not eighty years old. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the key thing to maybe remember with all conflict. It's never necessarily leadership that pays. And when I mean leadership, I mean governments. It's always. Poor people that can't get away, poor people that are stuck in the situation, and poor people that, you know, have to fight the conflict. I mean, it's how, it, it's how it's always been, and it's how it's probably going to always go. Because That's if anybody stuff. thought about this, you would take your president and you would throw them in a mud field with the other person's president, and they would fight to the death. And the you know what I mean? And that's, yeah. that's how they would all get solved. 
Yeah, Rats get fat while brave men die. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I think we have to almost end it on that quote because, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what this comes down to. Pretty well, much. everyone, yeah. Well, everyone, this has been Strong with the Bums. Thank you, John, for coming and doing this with us. Appreciate your knowledge and expertise in the subject matter. Smally. Don't be that. Smell you on that. I was gonna say, like I said before, the podcast started. At the very least, man, at least we talk about it that way. Someone does more research on it, or pays more attention, or looks into this or that. Maybe you get changed that way. You know what I mean? So that's true. Very least, I'm not saying we're all politically correct or even factual. We're wrong. Call us out. Like I'm all about that. I want the truth. You know, but hopefully someone will hear this and maybe think more about the conflict or. You know, something that comes with, something that comes from it. This has been Struggling with the Bums. You can follow us on our Instagram at B-M-U-S, B-U underscore M-S. Yeah, the Bums. Yes. Yeah, B-U-M-S. Thumbs on Instagram. All right. That's been Struggling with the Bums. See you. <laughs>